What's wrong with you people? Welcome to Not Another Baptist Podcast, a weekly podcast with myself, Matt Hensley, and let's see if you do it correctly today, and Dr. Kyle Beerman. Oh yeah, it's good to see you. How are you doing today? Man, I tell you what, so so I was reading in, in the Bible, um, which is a good thing to do, right? And, and I was reading the story of uh, the Pharisee and the tax collector. You remember that story where the Pharisee standing off and and praying loudly and saying, you know, thank God that I'm not like this tax collector. Yes, and in the application today would be as Astro fan and Ranger fan, thank God we do not root for the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, amen. That's the application today. What, what's the record as of today? We're recording this uh, Wednesday, May the 4th. Yes, as of today, their record is 3-20. and 20. <laughs> Three wins in um, so not quite a month, right? Because we got started late. So, um, but almost we're we're three days shy of a month, and and they've won three games. Wow. So, um, what, yeah, you know that neither neither the Rangers nor the Astros really have had the start that we wanted so far. But thank God that we're not <laughs> Cincinnati like Reds fans. Red. Oh, okay. <laughs> what's what's the winning percentage on two three out of four like like one thirty or something <laughs> like that? It's. <laughs> Awful. Like to the point that, you know, baseball is a long season, right? 162 games. You typically try not to panic. But at this point, like, it's time to panic if you're a Reds fan. Yeah. Um, like, fire everybody. Uh, maybe maybe fire your whole team and bring up, you know, your AAA affiliate or something because it's not going to be worse than where you are right now. All right. So, so give us a prognostication. What's their record come June in Anaheim? Come June, yeah. Let's see. So, so basically, add another, add another thirty, forty-five games or so. So, man, at this point, tell you what, I'll tell, I'll, I'll say they go on a hot streak in the next six weeks, and they they have uh, fifteen wins, and so that, but that would still be like what fifteen and forty or something like that. Yeah. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go lower, and okay. I'll say maybe ten. I'll, I'll give them ten, ten and whatever. Uh, so you know what else is happening in June? Thousands of Southern Baptists will gather in Anaheim for the SBC yep. annual meeting in Southwestern Seminary. Wants you to be there, and so we want you to stop by the booth in the exhibit hall to pick up some new Swibitz gear and talk to the faculty about the latest news from Seminary Hill. And tickets are on sale now for the Southwestern Seminary's SBC Alumni and Friends Luncheon, which will take place on June 15th at 12 p.m. And so make plans to reconnect with fellow Southwesterners, catch up with Swibbit's faculty, hear from President Adam W. Greenway, and eat some delicious food. And you can purchase those tickets at swibbits.edu forward slash SBC22. And when you see us, Tell us if we were right or wrong, because we're probably not going to keep up with the uh, Cincinnati Reds uh, win-loss records. Well, I will now. You know, I like to know where the Rangers are in relation to the absolute dumpster uh, of the league. And uh, so uh, right now, the, the Rangers record isn't good, but it is nowhere near the worst, even in the even in the American League. So 
uh, yeah, I'll, I'll follow that just to see, you know, where, where the Rangers hate, right. As, as we're recording this, they're on a winning streak. They've won three in a row. And, uh, so, you know, we're, we're rejoicing and, and celebrating and, Basically, it's like we've won the World Series at this point. <laughs> yes. And so if the Cincinnati Reds decided to hire us as church revitalization consultants, uh, where we would come in and help their team succeed, perhaps we would walk through some four steps to church strategic planning. <laughs> How's that? That's the worst transition ever. <laughs> That, that was that was perhaps the most random transition we've ever had, but good job. Here's I like our, it. Here's our four steps to the Reds' strategic planning. Uh, they need a vision statement, mission statement, value statement, all of that good stuff. We talked about that last week. <laughs> don't uh, lose. There's don't our mission for today. <laughs> don't like quit losing. Uh, that's number one. Their mission is to get more points or runs than the other team, <laughs> and their value is to actually get people to come to the game. So at least they don't have the worst attendance record. That would be held by the Oakland A's. But but yeah, last week we discussed uh, the first two steps in this four steps of church. I can't really say that with my list, but church strategic planning. And the first one was, of course, having a vision, mission, value statement, that kind of deal. That is going to ultimately tell us who we are and where we're going and how we're going to get there, that kind of deal. And then we look at our SWOT analysis. What are some of our strengths, right? The the strength for the Cincinnati Reds is that uh, they have a uh, really great ballpark. They, they've got, you know, they've got, they've got, the, they've got the riverboat in, the, in center yeah, field. Yeah, and there's not a whole lot. The weaknesses is their team. Pitching, uh, and hitting, coach, defense. And GM and everything else. <laughs> Uh, the opportunities for them. So so let's go back. Really, the strengths are the characteristics of a church that will give them maybe an advantage, uh, right? Something about them that gives them an advantage, maybe not having debt, something like that. Weaknesses, maybe the opposite of that. You know, the, the things that would put your church at a disadvantage, having a million dollars in debt, uh, you know, maybe having a building that is falling apart, that kind of deal. Uh, but then the opportunities are things outside of the church that would help your church. And then the threats would be the things outside of the church that would hurt your church. And so something outside that would help, of course, would be, you know, maybe having uh, great visibility. Something outside that would hurt might be um, major construction on a major thoroughfare that would lead people to your church, that kind of deal. Maybe the signage is bad uh, to, to get around or traffic is really bad, that kind of deal. But when we have those in mind, we can consider then the third step. And that is a gap analysis. And that is going to answer the question, where are we compared to where we want to be? That's the gap. You know, so where are we today? Where do we want to be a year from now or, or whatever it may be? What, what is that gap? Uh, and then, of course, how, you know, the goals are going to come into how to maybe bridge that gap. And so this is going to look at the vision, where we want to go, and then compare us to where we are today. And so that might could be related to an actual program, your uh, evangelism engagement, or you know maybe your debt, debt reduction, that kind of deal. Uh, some of those kinds of things, we can then look at some areas to, to kind of target for your strategy when we go into some of the goals and so forth. And so, for example, your current state, uh, maybe your church is renting a storefront property uh, in a shopping center or, or something along those lines. And so the church is renting something and the gap would be maybe they want to get to a permanent building. Maybe your church has a whole lot of debt. You want to get to no debt. There's your gap. Uh, maybe your 
church's children's program doesn't have some weekly training curriculum and you either want to write something or, or develop something or maybe bring in uh, what's going to work best from from life, LifeWay, um, you know, something along those lines. So, so Kyle, walk us through a little bit of when, when you work with churches or you work with pastors, where, where do you kind of focus your attention on when we consider the, the gap analysis uh, in the churches you serve? Well, yeah. So, you know, the, the whole thing that started this process um, last week on the on the first episode of this discussion um, was the vision, right? Where, where do we believe God is calling us and, and what do we need to do to get there? So the gap analysis is driven by your vision and mission and values, right? So we believe this is where God wants us to be. This is where we are. Now, how do we, so, so what are the, um, what, what's the gap there, right? So we will, if we, you know, even if you want to baptize 15 people next year and you baptized three this year, okay, what is, what does that mean? How do, how do we, how do we jump forward there? Um, and then, you know, we want to be about, so, so that's a, that's a numerical goal, obviously. If, if you have more kind of a, um, a qualitative goal of, we want to be more involved in our community. Um, okay. Then, you know, you got to figure out what that looks like. And then what are some steps that we can take to, um, to become more involved in our community? We'll talk about that when we get into the smart goals here in just a second, but, but, but the gap analysis will simply, um, help determine what your goals need to be in order to reach your vision from where you are right now. Yeah, for sure. I know like at Mayhill, one of the things I realized was that I was the only one evangelizing. And uh, so our gap was that our members were not. And that's where my ministry project came in. And we worked to develop a strategy that we would engage each of the uh, members or as many members as we possibly could into the evangelism strategy of the church. And so we trained them with some evangelism techniques and so forth, and then sent them out basically where one person or I had seven guys uh, and gals uh, that I trained. And then those seven would then find somebody else that they would train. But all along the way, they're also engaging their neighborhoods and their neighbors and their coworkers and all of that kind of stuff with the gospel. And now there are a few iterations in, you know, this thing has continued on since I've left. And so that was a gap that we had was I was kind of the chief evangelizer of the church. And uh, I would tell people, Hey, you got to tell your neighbors about Jesus, invite them to church, all of that kind of stuff. And then realized that that wasn't necessarily happening because I wasn't giving them the tools to do so. That was, that was something we, we addressed. In Alamogordo, we were um, starting an evangelism training um, on Wednesday nights at the beginning of March of 2020. And then like my plan was, so we would spend like three or four weeks kind of going through this training. And then we were going to take a couple of Wednesday nights and actually go out into the community. And uh, we got about two weeks into that. And then the world shut down. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The the other thing I I think is something that you should consider here perhaps too is is some of this that we've been considering can also help you individually as, as a pastor. If there's a pastor listening to this, that, that maybe you consider what are some of your strengths, your weaknesses, maybe things outside that is affecting you, things outside that's affecting you in a good way, bad way, all of that kind of stuff. And then where are you today uh, versus where you wanted to be uh, and where you should be, that kind of deal personally. And uh, as you're trying to grow and all of that kind of stuff, I know an example just real quickly, because this is kind of taking us into a different area, but quickly, 
one of the things I realized was in my preaching is I would have this great text-driven introduction and sermon, the structure would follow the text, all of that kind of stuff. And then I would tack on this gospel presentation at the end that was completely separate from the sermon itself. And so the gap that I realized was that my conclusions really were devoid of that text-driven mentality. And so I worked in some of my own personal goals and so forth to have an application and a conclusion that would be drawn from the text. And so you can really apply these things individually to you as a pastor or even as a regular church member of who, who, what's that, what's my mission? What, why am I here? Where do I want to be? Where am I going? What's my goal? All of that kind of stuff, my purpose and so forth. And then what are those areas in my own life that maybe are strengths, weaknesses and so forth and in the gaps that I may have and what are then some goals, which takes us to number four, kind of back to the church side. After you have your SWOT analysis, your gap analysis done, then you can start having some goals. Otherwise, you just kind of pull these goals out of thin air and you may be addressing something that's not really a need, doesn't help you with your mission, doesn't help you with an area of weakness, it doesn't help somewhere where you're not, that kind of deal. This is something that's going to help you address some of the things that you have found in your SWOT and gap analyses. And uh, in one of the things, and I think there's a a few different areas out there or, or understandings of goals and so forth, uh, the method that I use and share with churches is uh, the SMART method, and that is a goal. Of course, we like acronyms, and uh, that's a acronym for specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and timely. And I think some of these do kind of go together and bleed into one another, but something that is specific, is this goal specific enough for my church to kind of buy into and get some skin in the game? Do they actually know what we're trying to do? Is it measurable? Am I saying, you know, hey, we just want to have more baptisms next year? Or that's helpful. We want to have more baptisms, but is that just having one more? Or do we want to say, you know, maybe a smaller church, we're going to aim to have 12 baptisms in 2022. And then, you know, is it attainable, right? If if my church in, in May Hill of you know, 180 people or whatever decided to say, hey, uh, we we want to increase our, our baptisms this year. And so we're going to set a goal for having 1,000 baptisms. That's great, right? We love it. Nobody would, would, we certainly would be upset if that happened. The problem is there's really not even a thousand people on that mountain. You know, we would have to be rebaptizing people or something. Or, or within uh, like 30 miles, yeah, yeah. <laughs> radius yes. of the so church. <laughs> you need something that's attainable because you don't want it far enough or, or high enough that your church could never reach it and would be discouraged and all that kind of stuff. And so that kind of leads into, is it realistic? Is it is it a goal that's actually doable and practical, helpful? Is it something that you need to do? And then, of course, timely. Is uh, is there something where, you know, like, for example, at, at Alamogordo, you may even talk about this. Y'all needed to get out of debt. Yep. Right. And so you wouldn't say, hey, we're going to get out of debt in 2022 because a million dollars isn't coming in. Right. You know, so it's just not going to happen with all the other needs that you have. Uh, but is saying, hey, we're going to do we're, we're going to pay down this debt. And, and that's a million dollars. I keep saying a million. I don't, I don't remember the exact amount, but it was close. Was close. We're going to pay down this million dollars where maybe that's not the best goal. Uh, this year, we're going to pay down a quarter of that or another amount of that and set that as that first kind of that first goal that you want to reach. Because one of the things that you can consider with your uh, your goals and so forth is having some short-term goals, some kind of bite-sized chunks of maybe a bigger long-term goal. So your long-term goal, goal very well is to get out of debt and all of that kind of stuff. 
But short term, how can we take a chunk out of that? We're going to you know, strive to do this building project or this fund or whatever it may be, uh, that we're going to make sure that everything is still going to be specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and measurable. So Kyle, give us some thoughts on the SMART method. Yeah, so I think one of the keys is um, when you're figuring out goals, less is more, right? So, you, so you, I, I don't think it's super helpful to give yourself like 15 goals for a quarter or, or even for a year. So I would say, okay, this year, this is the thing that we want to focus on, right? So if that's increasing baptisms, which means um, increasing your evangelism training, if that means, you know, we want to, um, we want to increase Sunday school attendance and we need more leaders in order to do that. Uh, you know, you figure out maybe one or two goals to address, whether that's each quarter or even kind of big things for the year. And then from there, you, um, you begin to build those out. Right. So, so again, vision, right. Vision values. Um, you know, we want to be a church that's engaged in our community. Okay, great. We're not right now. Um, so we want to do, you know, we want to do a quarterly outreach event in our, in, in the half mile radius from our building in order to reach our immediate neighborhood. Okay. Then what does that look like? And then from there, you, you build the goals out and, and again, smart it's the, the goals here aren't specific just to churches. We use them at NAM. Um, they're, it, they're common in the, in the business world. And, and the, the basic thing is you want goals that are clear, right? So, so this would make, um, you know, we want to increase our baptisms by 10 rather than simply saying, well, we just want to baptize more people, right? We, we want to make disciples. Well, yes, you do. But how and what does that specifically look like? And your SMART goals um, sort of determines the action that you're going to take in order to reach um, your goals and fulfill the vision that God has given to you. Um, because I think a lot of times, like, you know, we can come up with a pretty generic um, vision statement, value statement. Um, you know, we want to fulfill the Great Commission um, in our community, state, nation, world. Okay, great. Yes, we do. But how? Right? So oftentimes we don't get into the weeds of how we're going to do that. We just kind of make this this vision that looks cool on a on a website. And that doesn't do us any good. We need to have... Um, very practical action steps to take in order to see that become a reality. And then also the, if you, if you have goals that are smart and, and you begin to um, kind of see how you're hitting those or how you're not hitting those, that, that gives you uh, some idea of how your church is growing and progressing beyond simply, well, we had a hundred people here on Sunday morning. Right. It, it gives you a, a better idea of of how the Lord is maturing and growing your congregation. Some of those um, some of those uh, qualitative um, steps rather than just the quantitative. Right. So, you know, we measure um, budgets and um, attendance and buildings and all those types of things. These are more qualitative to know how. Um, how God is working in hearts, how he's growing us together as a congregation to fulfill the Great Commission, rather than just how many people walk in the door on any random Sunday morning. 
Yeah. And, and the other thing to add there as well is, is blessed are the flexible or they won't <laughs> be bent out of shape. Right. And so picture, you know, your goals or whatever is here's point A and here's point B. We're trying to grow in this area or this is our gap, whatever, you know, that that's the point. Right. And then we want it to be a straight line of progress, all of that kind of stuff. But like when I, we make our quote unquote goal to go to Disney, for example, and it is a point to point, you know, drive from Farmersville to Orlando or Farmersville to Anaheim. But along the way, we have to make turns and we have to exit for gas. We have to maybe somebody needs to go to the bathroom or there's something that takes us off of the quote unquote plan. And in the church, that kind of stuff can happen. You can have a key leader pass away. You can have, oh no, a worldwide pandemic that's going to derail some goals that you may have. You need to be able to on the fly adjust and keep people centered around what is our mission? What are we still trying to do? We need to adapt and maybe improvise this goal a little bit and maybe shift. And all of those things that could happen could be completely different. Uh, you could leave your church, be called somewhere else, or or a key leader that is leading out in one of these areas has to go to, uh, you know, is takes a job somewhere else or whatever can happen. Uh, we can't go into each and every scenario, but you need to be ready with know that your goal, yes, is point A to point B. And yes, we want it to be just a smooth, perfect upward <laughs> line to where we're trying to get to. But at the end of the day, things are going to happen. Life's going to happen. Somebody's going to get sick, whatever it is. So be ready to kind of adapt, but keep people on that mission and bring them back. And if we're all kind of on board and bought into what is the mission of the church, which I believe Jesus has given us already, uh, then then we're going to do okay. And then comes, of course, the budget component that we all know and love well. Every year, the finance committee gets together. We look at the numbers, what's come in, what's going out, all of that kind of stuff. And you you address your budget and so forth. But think also of your budget as kind of that ministry action plan, right? We want to fund the things that we're trying to accomplish. Uh, I remember a church that brought me on as their very first full-time youth pastor. The church had made a big step to do that, and uh, they were excited about it. And I was kind of set up to fail, sort of, not on purpose, but what they had done is to pay my salary. They pulled out all of the money that was in the youth funds and some of these other funds to be able to pay for my salary. Well, then that means you've got a youth pastor that has no really financial backing to be able to do the things that the youth pastor needs to do, the youth camps and the D-nows and all of the other kinds of stuff that we're going. And so we had to fundraise each and every dollar we spent. And so whatever the goals that you have then should inform what you're doing on the budgeting process. Uh, Kyle, any final thoughts on on kind of strategic planning in the church? Yeah, so so the... Strategic planning, like we said, it's not unique to churches. Um, the business world does this all the time. The difference is that in the church, the the bottom line is not the typical bottom line, right? So, so the bottom line is not how much uh, can we finish in the black this year. It's great to finish in the black as a church, right? <laughs> that's that's a blessing. But the bottom line uh, for churches is to make disciples. And, and to fulfill the Great Commission and to uh, um, develop disciples of Jesus Christ. That's the church's bottom line. And so everything should serve that purpose, right? Budget should help uh, facilitate disciple making. 
um, committees should help facilitate disciple making and fulfilling the mission. And so uh, you want to slowly, right? So, so in, especially in church replanting and revitalization, um, the, the reason the church is in the state it's in is probably because they've lost sight of the mission at some point, right? They stopped making disciples and focused on something else. Um, so you're not going to fix all this in year one, right? And, and if you try to, uh, you know, if you try to come in and say, all right, we're going to, we're going to blow up the budget and we're going to realign everything with our mission and values. You, you're probably not going to be in that church very long. You're probably going to get fired if you start making cuts and all that. So see this as a long-term strategy, say five years down the road, we want to have our budget completely in line with what our mission is. And it's going to take some time to develop that mission because probably folks haven't thought about that, right? It's going to take some time to develop relationships in the community. So um, go slow. We, we talk about in, in replanning tactical patience, knowing the things that absolutely have to change right now. And those are, you know, there's major theological issues or big time conflict, those things have to be addressed immediately. Um, other things can happen down the line. And so be patient um, with that. Be, be tactically patient and being able to recognize those things that are absolutely urgent and those things that we want to get to, but but can wait two or three years to make sure that we have consensus and, and are bringing people on board rather than, you know, just being the, being the train that's running through and and, you know, going to run everyone over in the way um, that, that's not on board with us. Uh, that's that's not the way to do church revitalization. My final thought is be very, very careful <laughs> that all of these kinds of things, it's going to be easy. And, and we haven't pointed this out yet, but it's going to be easy to kind of do all of this stuff yourself, your ideas, your plan, all of that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. One, you do need some buy-in from your people, but also sometimes we have the tendency to make a plan and then say, God bless this plan. God has given us his will, his plan and his word. So all of our goals, all of our mission, all of that kind of stuff needs to be grounded by his plan and bathed in prayer. Yep, and uh, all of like we, we do want some goals and some vision and stuff that we can look back and say, this wasn't because Kyle Bierman was just this high capacity leader that had just a dynamic vision and so forth. We want people to be able to have a goal so far and so amazing that we can look back and say, look what God did and uh, look how God blessed because our our plan and our vision and everything was grounded in his word, bathed in prayer and God took over. And, uh, And so at the end of the day, that's what we're wanting to do is to glorify God. We want to see more people saved. All every church is going to say that. Uh, and, uh, and, and I hope believe that. And, uh, and so our vision and our goals and all of that kind of stuff should still come down to like, even our, our weaknesses and so forth. We need to say, you know, this wasn't a surprise to God. This might've been a surprise to us. You know, the community around us changed or something like that. It's not a surprise to God. And, uh, and so we need to remind our people of that, get buy-in and so forth. And you can walk through uh, all of these steps with your people and with as many people as possible to get your church moving to a better station of health. And so again, create a vision, mission, value statement, grounded in God's word, bathed in prayer. Look at your SWOT analysis, your strengths, your weaknesses, your opportunities, opportunities and threats. Even look at those threats as, yes, these are negative. It's something that maybe surprises us, but it doesn't surprise God. How do we need to adapt to address them? 
then do your, uh, your gap analysis, uh, see where you are, where you want to go, and then make your goals in line with that that are specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, timely, otherwise known as SMART, and then fund it. Uh, you know, put, put budget and dollars in mind with what you want to do. Kyle, uh, send us out. Thanks for listening today. And until next time, may your coffee be as black as night and as bold as the gospel you declare. Go Reds, sort of. (laughs) Just don't go enough because I want to be wrong. (laughs) What's wrong with you people?